Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. The title of my message this morning is For the Love of Jesus. I'd like to begin with a song that's found in Max Lucado book, And the Angels Were Silent, The Final Week of Jesus. Came across this song many years ago. You'll love it. The title of the song is Did Adam and Eve Have Navels? could make a good rap song. I would love for someone to put this in a rap song. All right, let's go. Did Adam and Eve have navels or a blank spot where it should be? <laughs> you know, whatever. Do other folks lie awake at night or is it only me? Thinking about the question that plagues all mankind. Mm, belly button fuzz was a part of creation. How could I be so blind? I think I'll start a church someday to preach this creed of mine. Because Adam and Eve had navels, and I'll prove it at the end of time. Sure, God is love, and Jesus saves, but what about this truth? I found the answer just last year in 1 John chapter 2. Seek out the truth, and the truth will set you free. Wait upon the Lord in all sincerity. And then you reach the highest level of Christianity. When you become a navelist, your eyes will finally see that Adam and Eve had navels. And I'm telling you today, yeah, I'm splitting hairs for Jesus. And that makes it all okay. And I'm going to take you deeper than your eyes can currently see. I'm splitting hairs for Jesus for more spirituality. I shared this truth with all the land and navalism grew. A thousand members growing strong. I preached because I preached salvation too. But now the church is splitting over some technicality that their buttons go in or pop out. How picky can they be? Lucado ends with this. As long as Christians split hairs, Christians will split churches. It's a brilliant song about what happens when we miss the forest for the trees. And in the story that we're about to look at in Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 to 13, we find the disciples guilty of doing this. They thought they knew the mind of Jesus. They thought they knew the heart of Jesus, but they were badly mistaken. Matthew 26, verses 6 to 13. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached, Throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. A similar account of Jesus being anointed is found also in Mark chapter 14, Luke 7, and John 12. It is clear that the anointing of Jesus in Luke is different, is a different event. But with the remaining three accounts in Matthew, Mark, and John, scholars are divided. 
Some say that the gospel, all three gospel writers are writing about the same event. Others argue that Jesus was actually anointed twice, once by Mary in Bethany, which is told by John, and it takes place six days before the Passover, and the other occasion takes place two days before the Passover, which is found in Matthew and Mark's account. Here, Jesus is anointed by an unnamed woman. If so, then there are three anointings of Jesus that, takes place, that's, that take place in three different houses at three different times. But we're not going to be splitting hairs over this. Back to the text. The story contrasts two responses to Jesus, that of the unnamed woman and the other, his disciples. We don't know exactly how this woman came to own a bottle of such expensive perfume worth 300 denarii, according to Mark's gospel. Historically, in many cultures, women were not allowed to own uh, land. They were restricted from owning businesses or property. They could own clothing and jewelry. Perhaps the perfume was the woman's saving or family heirloom. To put it in perspective, according to the disciples in the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6, 200 denarii would have fed, would have been enough to feed at least 5,000 people. Yeah? So this means, uh, theoretically, 300 denarii could have presumably fed around 7,500 people. So you can do the sums in your head. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And this explains why the disciples were angry at the woman when she, according to Mark's account, snapped the narrow neck of the flask and poured a generous portion of that perfume on Jesus' head. In Mark's account, the disciples scolded her harshly. Why this waste? In the original language, the Greek, it indicates that they snorted their indignation at her like angry horses. How humiliating for the woman. Their reaction was understandable. What she did seemed foolish. What she did seemed wasteful. Just imagine the money could have been sold to feed 7,500 poor people. Right? On the face of it, the money from selling the perfume would have been better used to help the poor. Now, all that was left of the perfume was the evaporating aroma. But Jesus' reply would have stunned them completely. I think they expected praise from Jesus for thinking about the poor, having an outward look having outreach in mind, Jesus instead eulogizes the woman, concluding with these extraordinary words. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached, throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus was most certainly not saying that caring for the poor wasn't important. In his own message, in his own ministry, it always included the poor. In fact, it favored the poor, but there is something else that is far important than helping the poor. What could that be? The answer, it is Jesus himself. That's more important 
than serving the poor. His closest companions, who ought to know better, miss Jesus completely by taking offense at the woman's unadulterated and extravagant expression of love and worship of Jesus. Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me, Jesus said to the disciples. With a sense of dismay, I would put it to you. It was the disciples who missed the forest for the trees, not her. It was, wasn't her who needed to get a heart checked out. It was the disciples. It wasn't her who got her priorities wrong. It was the disciples. There was another reason why Jesus considered the woman's act beautiful. For the author Matthew, anointing means or implies burial. Burial. Jesus had been predicting his death on three separate occasions prior to this event. This is Jesus' hour, the time when his ministry is about to come to a tragic but necessary climax. The woman's act of anointing him with perfume was shadowing his death and his burial. There's no indication that the woman had this in mind when she anointed Jesus, but the fact that his closest companions missed the significance of her action disappointed Jesus greatly. Let's read Jesus' response to the disciples again. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. I won't be with you on earth much longer. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Something I've been telling you about, guys. And you choose in time and time again not to listen to me. And you miss the beautiful act that this woman was performing for me. Three points from the text that I like to make. Number one, love makes all the difference to Jesus. Love makes all the difference to Jesus. Our motive for doing what we do makes all the difference to Jesus. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that it matters not one bit to God. It matters not one iota to God that we have the most amazing spiritual gifts matters not one iota to God that we accomplish amazing feats for God, sacrifice all for the poor, or even suffer hardship for the gospel if they're not motivated by love for Jesus. Why? Because we can be good. We can do good things. We can say good things. We can even do right things, not necessarily because we love Jesus, but because of other motives, such as wanting something in exchange from God. God, you scratch my back, and I'll scratch yours. We could be doing the right things, saying the right things, doing lots of good works because of our arrogance and our self-righteousness, our pride, or simply our fear of punishment that if I don't do certain things, then God will be on my case. Have you ever had something good said or done to you or for you only to discover that there was a hidden agenda involved? Anybody? How did that make you feel? 
nice things said to you or about you or done for you or done to you. And then you discover, oh, there was a hidden agenda involved. Jesus was profoundly moved by what the woman did, not because of the price tag of the perfume. That perfume could have been bought from dollars and cents for all Jesus cared. Jesus was profoundly moved because when the, when the woman broke her expensive jar of perfume and poured it on, on Jesus, she had no hidden agenda. She poured it out on Jesus, not expecting any favor from Jesus. She wasn't looking for anything in return from Jesus. She wasn't doing it. Jesus, if I pour perfume on you, bless me tenfold, bless me fiftyfold, bless me a hundredfold. She just did it. She just did it. She wanted nothing from Jesus in return. Nothing. And the motive behind her gesture was just pure, innocent love. She treasured and adored Jesus above all else. And it was total and it was wholehearted. This is a true story. A lady had won this beautiful, unique, cardboard decorator recipe box that often became a conversation piece. It also motivated this woman to organize a drawer full of loose recipes. So she decided to recopy all of her recipes and file them in this beautiful box. The little boy Kent had watched her do this and knew how precious this box meant to, her, to his mother. One day on her birthday, her friends took her out for lunch. When she got home, she noticed that her recipe box was missing. She was just about to call out, has anyone seen my recipe box? When Kent, her boy, little boy, appeared. His eyes were wide and he looked excited. He was holding something behind his back from which water was dripping. Her heart sank. She knew what it was. It was her recipe box. She still managed to give him a smile. He said to her, Mom, I have a birthday present for you. He presented her with her wet recipe box, saying, Mom, I knew you liked the box. Kent had thrown all of her recipes into the bin, which had already been emptied by the garbage collector that day. He then washed the box, washed the box, scraping off the handmade decorations and lining the box with tinfoil. When she opened the box, this is what she found in the box. A 10 cent coin, a black plastic alligator, and a picture of Kent. She still has this box to this day, and it is one of her most treasured possessions. If her house burned down, the first, things, first two things she would take with her would be her family photos and this treasured box. Why? Why? Because the gift was an expression of Kent's total love for his mom with no strings attached. It's why, just like the woman, 
who emptied her prized perfume of Jesus. She wanted nothing in return from Jesus, just like this little boy. Number two, our brokenness and suffering are a pleasing fragrance to the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 2.15, Paul describes believers as Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But very often, the way this occurs is through our brokenness and through our suffering. I think the breaking of the flask of perfume is a wonderful picture of this truth. Paul uses a similar imagery in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, in which he said that God's glory, God's beauty is revealed through jars of clay, not jars made of stainless steel. King David penned these words, after his massive fall. In Psalms 51, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. You might feel, and rightly so, that your life is being wasted because of your pain, because of your sorrow, your suffering, and your brokenness, but it is not. I think it was last year I came across Jane Marcheski. Some of you know her or may have heard of her, who performed on the 16th season of America's Got Talent. Also known by his stage name, Night Birdie, she sang an original song, It's Okay. It won her a golden buzzer from none other than from none other than Simon Cowell, the most uh, the toughest judge and the most uh, horrible critique on the panel. He can be. Two days later, "It's Okay" was the top song on iTunes. Now here's the irony, and you would know it from the pictures, or from when you watch her sing. Marcheski's life was anything but okay. She was first diagnosed with stage three breast cancer in 2017. She was declared cancer-free in 2018. But just a few months later, her battle with cancer resumed with little, little chance of survival. If, it wasn't, if that wasn't bad enough, a husband of five years told her that he didn't love her anymore and left her. She was going to have to face cancer this time on her own, which she beat for the second time in July 2020. When she auditioned on AGT, her cancer had returned and it had spread to her lungs, to her spine, and to her liver. When the judges felt star- sorry for her, felt sorry for her, she responded, it's okay. I'm much more than the bad things that happened to me. I'm much more than the bad things that happened to me. No wonder you could hear a pin drop during her performance. It wasn't just a soothing, beautiful, lovely voice, but a strength of character 
her hope in the Lord and her resilience that inspired the audience and judges alike. After her performance, she said to the judges, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. Due to her deteriorating health, Marcheski had to quit the competition on February 19th this year after a five-year battle with terminal cancer. She passed away. She was 31. Her family in a statement said, those who knew her enjoyed her larger-than-life personality and sense of humor. She had a witty joke for every occasion, even if the joke was on her. Her lasting legacy will be the gift of hope she gave to so many through her music and the strength she found in Jesus. But you won't find Marcheski sugarcoating her struggles. In one blog post she wrote, I'm God's downstairs neighbor banging on the ceiling with a broomstick. I show up at his door every day, sometimes with songs and sometimes with curses, sometimes apologies, gifts, other times with questions and demands. Sometimes I use my key under the mat to let myself in. Other times I sulk out outside until he opens the door to me himself. I've called him a cheat, I've called him a liar, and I meant it. I've told him I wanted to die, and I meant it. Tears have become the only prayer I know. Prayers roll over my nostrils and drip down my forearms. They fall to the ground as I reach for him. But in the midst of her pain, she had this great hope in her heart. In another post, she wrote this, I haven't come as far as I'd like in understanding the things that have happened this year. But here's one thing I do know. When it comes to pain, God is, isn't often in the business of taking it away. Instead, he adds to it. He's more of a giver than a taker. He doesn't take away my darkness. He adds light. He doesn't spare me of thirst. He brings water. He doesn't cure my loneliness. He comes near. So why do we believe that when we are in pain, it must mean that God is far? I must be a fool in love. Because even from under all this debris, I still believe him. And when I'm too angry to ask him to sit on my bed until I fall asleep, he still stays. Even though Jane is gone, the sweet aroma of Christ through a life of brokenness, sorrow, and pain still linger on. I can smell her aroma. If you watch her perform, you can smell the aroma of Christ 
If you read her story, you can smell the aroma of Christ. My last point is this. In his death, Christ loved us totally. And you could say, without any strings attached, and became a fragrant offering to God. If love makes all the difference to Jesus, and if our brokenness and suffering and pain are fragrance to God, then Jesus demonstrated it first. He walked the talk. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Firstly, we're dearly loved children of God. His love for us is pure, is innocent, is complete and total. Philip Yancey writes, grace means that God already loves us as much as an infinite God can possibly love. Wow. Grace means that God already loves us as much as an infinite God can possibly love. He loves us because of who he is, not because of who we are. You see, if, if, it, if it were because of who we are, we deserve judgment. We deserve his wrath. However, because it is due to who God is, and therefore we, we receive, we get his forgiveness and his love. And secondly, God does not have one set of rules for us and another set for himself. On Good Friday, God broke the alabaster jar of the most expensive perfume that is his son to suffer and to be broken and to finally die on the cross for our sins. In doing so, the aroma of his grace, of his love, of his mercy and forgiveness was poured on us. The words of Isaiah, the prophet, brings this out. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. No, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Brothers and sisters, the only way that he could be a fragrant offering to God so that through him alone we in turn could become a fragrant offering to God is by being crushed, is by being afflicted, is by suffering and carrying the cross on our behalf. Praise his glorious name. Praise his glorious name. On this Good Friday, God asks us to love him 
wholeheartedly, just like the woman, just like the woman. Love him expecting nothing in return from him. Love him not because you want a favor from him. Love him because you love him, just like the woman and just like Kent. He wants us also to see our suffering, to see our pain, to see our brokenness, not as a waste, not as a waste, but as a pleasing fragrance to him. Just as Christ loved us, he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let us pray. Gracious Father, you who did not spare your own son, the alabaster jar of the most expensive perfume, but gave him up for us. Words are grossly inadequate to express how grateful and how overwhelmed we are by the depth of your love for us, revealed through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We can never repay you. May we not even try, for that would not only be impossible, but it would also grieve you deeply. But we can be like the woman or the little boy Kent. Lord Jesus, teach us how to love you with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. Continue to create in us an undivided heart for you. Lord Jesus, we also offer our brokenness, our pain, our sorrow and our suffering to you this day. They're not a waste to you. I pray, though, that you will heal us, comfort us, and sustain us. Give us hope in the midst of our despair. More importantly, redeem it and use it so that we, be, we may be more sensitive to the needs of others and spread your fragrance through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.